When a parent brings home their child, they stand before the child's bassinet. And their dreams for a child's lifetime begin to play in the cinema of their minds. You look inside that crib and you think, is he going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher? Will he love the Lord with all of his heart? No matter his vocation, will he always follow the mission of God? And you look inside that crib and you think, I don't know the outcome of the child. I just know who holds his days. And you place your child in God's hands. And you entrust God with this child for their safekeeping, for their guidance, with his protection. Along the journey, you get glimpses into the heart of this child. And you look and you see moments of selflessness and moments of giving. You look inside your kid's heart. Every once in a while, you get a glimpse of hope. You see moments of potential and promise. And then you have cousins, friends, and siblings who see everything else. Thankfully, they don't speak. Or don't tell everything, at least. And as your child matures, you begin to wonder, do moments like tonight come? And they do come. You might not have seen it the first night in the crib. You might want to return him for a refund. You don't know. But this is the night where divine providence and divine prompting meet at an intersection here. I walked in and I saw, there, you know, when you have a formal setting as a preacher, it's usually a wedding. Friends of the bride, friends of the groom, and then his whole family sat in the middle like they couldn't decide. But this is where we, why we are here, the very mission of God. It was God who brought Aaron all the way along. And God will not stop walking with Aaron. And it's in this moment we refresh ourselves on this one thought where Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For a church, wow, there are similar emotions as well. Young adults will go to camp and they'll come back and they'll go again and they'll take missions trips and, they'll, and you wonder as an adult, is any of this sticking? And yet one day, it just clicks. So I say to you as a church, don't stop sending your kids. Don't stop sponsoring them to camp. Don't stop believing in them. Because Aaron and Deanna, I believe in both of you. And I believe this is God's moment for your life. And you're in the right place. And today, you're investing in lives because somebody else invested in you. And somebody else saw what good there could be. And kept working and kept working. And were you perfect? No. And did you try? Yes. And did you fail? Perhaps. But in all of those cases, God brought you here. So tonight's a night as a church, you look at this, and as the leadership of the church, I tell you, yes, it's worth it. And to the children and young adults, I say, yes, it's worth it. It's worth going after you. It's worth pursuing you. To the parents in the church, I say, yes, it is worth it. 
And for those who only watch the budget sheets of the church, yes, our kids are worth it. You don't know what will become. I saw Oliver in service. Is he here tonight? Did he bring his parents? Okay. He's in the device. Okay, he's out. He trusts me with my preaching. He fell asleep. This is wonderful. I see Oliver, and I, I kept thinking about Oliver is three months old. You're not. But somebody saw you from there to there. A lot of people, including your parents and your siblings. And I say it's worth it every single time. It's worth it. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. So Brother Josh, Joshua read, there you go. Brother Joshua read earlier from Acts 13. I smiled as the emphasis was made. Brother Aaron is not going anywhere. We like that. That isn't a life like an esoteric statement of some sort. He's going nowhere. <laughs> not saying that. We're, not say, we're saying he's not departing, as oftentimes in the case this is. It's like he's going out for his first church, or he's, he's going to go out there and he's going to take a new ministry. When Josh read earlier, I had to smile, because that is a, passion, a passage for sending out missionaries. But it's the passage we use because this is where we set people apart. But you have to understand that in ministry, when we set people apart, the people are irrelevant. It's their God who makes a difference. The only reason someone is sitting here tonight is because of God. You say, well, what about them? Yes, the them, they're here. But they've just simply said, could we head to the shadows? Could we get out of the spotlight? And could we just serve our God? And that's what it's all about. There's a season for people to serve. And Brother Aaron and Deanna, they are rising in this season. They have been working at this place. And tonight they get, dare we say the word recognition, it's not a great word, but they're recognized for their gifts and callings that came from God. And in that moment, they just are unwillingly rising to this top, being notarized, or notarized, that's different. It's probably a better word. Being recognized for what they've done and where they're going. Does this piece of paper mean anything? Anything before the Bema Seat of Christ? No. I don't know what's over there. A second one? Sir? License. Okay, one's a license and one is a thing. That means he can drive a pulpit now. (laughs) He has the permission of the church to preach, and he is set apart and sanctioned to preach. But he's not looking for notoriety. It's not about a piece of paper. It's not about a Bible. It's not about having some designation in society. Though society will look at that. What this is about is saying, I get to serve God today. Just let me go to where I'm supposed to go. Do what I'm supposed to do. A guy who reached his pinnacle of ministry is penning these words. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. I, referring to the writer, 
who under inspiration of the Holy Spirit is Paul. Paul has written the majority of the New Testament and he writes, I charge thee, that is a direct, implicit command. There are 25 of those in just 2 Timothy. 25 imperatives or commands that he has to do. And he puts it out before him and says, I charge thee a specific singular form of who Timothy was, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and, and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. You say, well, where is he going? He's going to die. And he's talking to his son in the faith. So he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Brother Aaron, if I could tell you four truths to help you in this endeavor. I've spoken to the church. I've spoken to your parents. Now I'm speaking to you. Thankfully, your wife is writing this down because you just took the whole Zach mode on me and not writing anything down. But I'm, I'll work with that. There are four critical things I want to know in the ministry. I want to see that in someone like you. No, I'm not, as far as I know, I'm not preparing to die, but I'm reading the passage of the man who was about to die. And he's telling Timothy four things to be prepared for. And if I could just drop this in your lap to think about, while you've been in ministry, how long? Well, this isn't going well. Fifteen years. And prayerfully, you'll have many more years of ministry. The very first thing I have to tell you to be prepared for is be prepared for the work. It is not easy work. Let your greatest strength be grace. Not your intelligence, not your intellect. And boy, you should see the looks your brothers are giving you. Not your insight, but let your greatest strength be grace. Let your greatest service be giving. Giving of yourself for others to grow. Giving of yourselves so others learn to give. There is work in this that we have. Be prepared. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 for just a moment. 
He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me, of many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Again, the same man writing, the same man giving directions. He's making a case for grace, that our grace has to be something in which we're strong and something in which we serve. Secondly, you say, well, this is going quick. We'll get bogged down soon. Number one, be prepared for the work. Number two, be prepared for the warfare. Going back to 2 Timothy in chapter number two, Paul reminds Timothy of his commission. Notice what he says, Thou therefore... His genuineness in verse number 5. If a man also strive, or sorry, chapter 1, verse number 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother's Eunice, I am persuaded that is in thee also. Understand, there is work, but in this there is also warfare. He told Timothy he had a commission. He also reminds Timothy of his command. Notice how he says it there. This is verse number uh, one, thou, chapter 2, verse number 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faith, faithful men who, also, who shall be able also to teach others also. Excuse me. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier in Christ Jesus. You're to be a son. Secondly, you're to be a soldier. It's hard. Notice what it says. Endure hardness as a good soldier. He said, don't let yourself get tangled up with the affairs of this life. He also says, remember, your job is to please Him. So let me give you your three orders. Number one, tough it out. When it gets hard, tough it out. When it gets impossible, tough it out. When it seems like you're not going to make it, tough it out. When you're ready to quit, tough it out. We do not have the luxury of discouragement or quitting. You've taken this rank. You've accepted this ordination. You've looked at yourself and you look in the mirror and you look at the people to whom you've been called. I say to you, endure hardness no matter what happens emotionally, no matter what happens spiritually, no matter what happens mentally. Your job is to tough it out. Secondly, stay free. Don't let the world get you tangled up. Wow. That can happen so quickly. Tangled here. I see it. Guys get tangled up in politics. Guys get tangled up in hobbies and crafts. Not crafts, crafts, but some sort of thing that they do. They get tangled up in other affairs and all of a sudden you're saying, what about the ministry? I can't do the ministry. I'm too busy for the ministry. I got other stuff going on. Your job as a soldier, as a son, let your greatest strength be grace. As a soldier, endure hardness. Tough it out. He reminded Timothy of his commission. He reminded Timothy of his command. Don't get tangled up. Third command he gives them. Please him. You're, you were chosen by God to serve. You were chosen by God to stand. Your job is to please him. Be prepared for the work because it is work. Working with people can be a challenge. Working with saved people can even be harder. In all of this, your job is to receive this command. Be prepared for the work, number two. Be prepared for the warfare. 
Notice he also reminds Timothy not of his commission and not just of his command, but thirdly, under this very idea, he reminds Timothy of his character. He said, be a good soldier. You will be a witness of some sort or another. People will look at you and say, wow, I didn't know he was a preacher and he did that. You'll have some sort of testimony. And I encourage you to be above reproach when faced with accusation, to be above reproach when faced with attacks, to be above reproach when everybody comes along with the next opportunity for you to do the next thing. I want you to be above reproach. Don't seek retribution. Don't seek to retaliate. Don't seek to repay. People will hurt you. I'm in my 38th or 39th year of ministry. People, believe it or not, as kind as I can be, can be mean sometimes. They will say hurtful things. Church people too. I know it's a shock. But don't ever repay. It's easier to just walk away. Say, well, who's going to vindicate my cause? You serve one that is higher. When your commissions come from higher than him, then seek his commission that's higher than he. But there is none higher than he. He's the one who called you into it. He's the one who placed you here. He's the one who chose this time. Be a son. Be a soldier. A soldier with good character. And then he reminded him of his commander. Of Jesus Christ. You serve him. There's no higher authority. We say, okay, Fellowship Baptist Church is ordaining you. Okay, I understand your terminology. We say the the ordination council is ordaining. I understand your terminology, but could could I just help fix your vocabulary a little bit? God chose Aaron Davies. So how do you know? Well, first of all, the church has been watching him for several years, and others in ministry have been watching him. We also brought in a panel of people after being summoned by you as a church to determine we ought to ordain Aaron Davies. He's willing to be ordained. He's prepared a doctrinal defense of what he believes. Then you call in a a council of men who can examine him to say, yes, he is prepared. Then the council reports back. That's what Brother Hensley did tonight. Reported back. We examined him. He's through and true. He's ready to be ordained. God started the process. It is God who will take care of him. You serve no higher commander. You have no higher commission. You have no higher charge. Serve him. Don't back down. Number three. Notice if you would please in verse five. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive strive lawfully. If the first one was be prepared for the work and the second one is be prepared for the warfare, the third one I want you to do, be prepared for is the win. A special, W-I-N, the win for success. Why? Give it your best. Follow the rules. Don't shortcut. Stand up for what is right. There is no shortcut to holiness. There's no shortcut to righteousness. It's the hard way. It's the long way. It's the tough way, but it's the right way. So many times men sell out their calling and conviction. Don't do that. You got a lot of people watching you. You got kids at home saying, Yeah, saddest gotta be one of the saddest conversations. Yeah, dad used to be in the ministry. 
until one time he did such. You say, well, boy, you, that's pretty earnest. Somebody's got to tell the truth. You're, one of your brothers here is in law enforcement, right? Is there a difference between a good cop and a bad cop? Is one embarrassing? Sometimes you have to let the system play them out. Sometimes in ministry we get duds. We go through all of this hoping we don't get a dud. But God has a way of rooting them out. Your other brother is here tonight. There's no shortcuts to education, is there, sir? Either you do the book work and you do the hands-on work, or you're just going to try to cheat, and the first day you go to your job, it's going to show up on you. And you go home and you lost an arm, you burnt a hole where there wasn't one, or you ended up with a tattoo you never planned on. <laughs> this is why we study. This is why there is proving. You've been in your proving time. We all see it. Did you have hard days? Yeah. But all of us did. Did you have tough times where you just wanted to say, wow? Yeah. But you just get back up again. And you brush yourself off. And you say, wait a minute, I'm a son. I'm a soldier. I'm a specialist. I've been called to this. Yes, we took a few hits. Yes, we've got some bruises. Yes, we have some new scars. But I serve the King of Kings, and I am not backing down. So be prepared for the win. Because there is no win for shortcuts. Lastly, number four. It sounds a little odd, but Paul has changed metaphor so many times in this passage. We see him speaking as a son. We see him speaking about a teacher. We see him speaking about a soldier. We see him speaking about a specialist, one who is an athlete. And lastly, we see him talking about being a sower. So the last one I say to you, Brother Aaron, is be prepared for the weeds. There is no fruit without diligence. There is no fruit without discipline. There is no fruit without dedication and determination. There is no fruit. This is hard work. You say, well, man, they made me a reverend last night. Yes, perhaps so. But God set you apart from maybe a time where your mom saw it and you didn't. And maybe a time that Deanna saw it and you didn't. But God's had a place for you. So be prepared for the weeds. They're out there. But we sow for the fruit. We sow for Him who is invisible. So at the end of this course, I say to you in these verses that I've read both from 2 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 2, and 2 Timothy 1, and I read those passages to you, I remind you, be prepared for the weeds, be prepared for the wind, be prepared for the warfare, and be prepared for the work. But if I could leave you with one thought of those four, let your greatest strength be grace. It's the hardest to access for us. Why? Because we think and we say, ah, they don't deserve grace. Yes, that's the whole point of grace, is nobody deserves it. 
But when you're working with that person for the upteenth time and they've fallen back out again, just remember Paul told Timothy, let your greatest strength be grace. Grace.